Hello and welcome to the pilot episode of the Wings Podcast. Hello. Hello. This podcast is a political show based on conversation amongst three political science students. We're all studying at the University of Ottawa. First year. First year. I'm pleased to announce the co-host of the show, Matthew Tucky. Hi. And Connor Chase. Hello. On April 14th, which is today, we're going to be discussing the conflict in Syria and American intervention and who knows what else. We don't know where it'll lead us, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, So, yesterday, there was... I should probably start with the disclaimer that the conflict in Syria is extremely complicated and we're not going to try and explain it completely because we're not experts and if you want to research this by all means research it and this conflict also moves very fast so if it's beyond april this stuff is probably outdated and we're not experts we're just people giving our opinions yeah that being said we're here to discuss the recent we're starting off with the recent strikes led by the u.s france and the uk on syrian syrian chemical bases yeah or syrian Uh, research facilities a command post nearby and they were all far away from russian outposts so as to not provoke conflict but the act itself is in you know instigatory so so initial thoughts on it Uh, personally i don't think this is anything new as in this these aren't the first airstrikes conducted against the assad regime by first chemical attack and these aren't the first airstrikes conducted under the Trump administration against Assad. It, this happened in 2017, in, in the spring or the yeah. summer of 2017. The U.S. launched airstrikes against the Assad regime. So I think the, the common fears that this is going to lead to something more. Because there's so much involved and it's kind of a proxy conflict. I, uh, one, I don't see the efficacy of this. I think it's mostly just to send a message. I don't think this is going to achieve anything of, of note. It's how many missiles, about 100 missiles they sent over. What, what kind of message? Is it a human rights issue, do you think? Or it's uh, a strong a message little bit against Russia? A little bit of both. Because, because the, US has, the U.S. and Western powers obviously have many interests around the world. Um, part of it, we can't deny that part of it is humanitarian. But at the I same think we time, can deny that absolutely. No, I think I think that that countries around the world have a humanitarian interest all the time around the world. But I think that there there are humanitarian crises that happen around the world all yeah. the time, not in Syria, and we don't see missile strikes all the time. So why yeah. are these yeah. missile strikes carried out specifically in this? I think the main part of it was sending a message to Russia. Was it public pressure that kind of made them send it, or was it? A duty as a democratic nation to send a message to undemocratic nations. Definitely not a duty. No, not not. A there's no uh, there's right, no duty be... to intervene on human rights issues, Connor. Well, the U.S. has always been really hypocritical on that issue. Firstly, so I'm very skeptical of any time they claim the moral high ground and intervention in any country. When Dom told me yesterday, I kind of had a really visceral gut reaction about it. Because you told me 17 minutes after it happened. Right, right. Uh, Trump was just uh, released his message that he's going to carry out airstrikes. And it gave us, we were sitting down eating dinner, and it gave us both chills. Because we thought this was going to be the first war. We, our initial reaction was this is going to instigate into our, our generation's Vietnam. <laughs> uh, since I've done a bit more research since then, I cannot see it. Uh, I... I could see it, but I think it's unlikely that it'll grow into anything more serious than that. I think, it has the potential. I think if anything, what this served to do is almost call Russia's bluff. As okay. in, Russia has always been has been saying for the past months now that if the U.S. conduct airstrikes or intervene in Syria against the Assad regime, they will respond. 
to my knowledge, to the best of my knowledge so far, yeah. they haven't responded. So no, they actually have responded. Did they? So Russia Russian, responded. Yeah, Russia's okay. ambassador to the U.S. stated yesterday, so on April thirteenth, we are being threatened. We warned that such actions would not be left without consequences. All responsibility for them rests with Washington, London, and Paris. This was this was tweeted. And the Russian embassy also posted it on Facebook, saying the worst apprehensions have come true. Our warnings have been left unheard. A pre-designed scenario is being implemented. Again, we are being threatened. A pre-designed scenario. A pre-designed okay. so scenario is being this. implemented. Again, we are being threatened. We warn that such actions will not be left without consequences. And then repeats, all responsibility for them rests with Washington, London, and Paris. Insulting the president of Russia is unacceptable and inadmissible. The U.S., the possessor of the biggest arsenal of chemical weapons, has no moral right to blame other countries. Okay, I'd like to preface by saying there's been no retaliation, as in, so far, I mean, that's a statement, obviously. We knew there was going to be a statement, but in terms of military action or anything of the such, there hasn't been anything. Although, I heard... I'm worried about Ukraine also. That's, That's very strongly worded, though. That that implies that military action will be taken, a pre-designed scenario. Yeah, it does. That, that is, uh... But we don't know what that will be. It's been a that's day. Gonna be... It's been a day. It has been a day. So, I mean, it's hard for us to discuss. If, if I had to guess on something, I think it would probably be either action against the Syrian Democratic Forces in the North, the Kurdish Forces, or... Mm-hmm action in Ukraine. I feel like this is a good time to give us a bit of a rundown on what's going on in Syria, Tucky, because this is a very complex scenario, and you just mentioned this, the Syrian Democratic Forces. The Syrian Democratic Forces, and we've mentioned Assad, and we've mentioned rebels, I think, and now yeah. there's ISIS in that area too. Give us a rundown on who the major players in the Syrian conflict are. Okay, well, the major players, I mean, you guys already know for the most part. Talk to the audience. Um, I guess there are pretty much four main sides to it, I'd say. So there are there's the Assad regime, which is backed by Iran, Russia, and then Hezbollah. Pretty much those are the, the four main players in that alliance, in that region. There are the, there's a Free Syrian Army, which was the original sort of faction that came out of the, the protest or the Arab Spring. They're mostly Islamic groups right now that are funded by Turkey um, and Saudi Arabia. There's ISIS, obviously, although they're pretty much destroyed at this point. And then in the north, there is the Kurdish slash, also Arab a little bit, um, force uh, called the Syrian Democratic Forces, although they're mainly a Kurdish force um, made up of the YPG and the YPJ. Um, and that, that force right now is, is backed by the U.S., Although it is being attacked by Turkey, and although there hasn't been, to my knowledge, maybe there has, attacks by the Assad regime against uh, the SDF, the Syrian Democratic Forces, I wouldn't put it past them after this strike to attack U.S.-based forces, or U.S.-supported forces in that region. You can see what a mess this is. Like, you, you know when crime, like a crime movie or something, when they have the map and they're trying to point all of yeah, the... Yeah. If you have that map, it would just be a crazy spider web of and all these interconnections. This is also, this is just a very basic rundown. But yeah, of course. In, in, these, in these factions and these alliances, there's also subgroups who attack each other. Um, I know is the Islamic State doesn't have, is attacking everyone. Um, yeah. Turkey didn't attack ISIS, they were just attacking uh, the Kurds. It's, it's, it's very 
So if I can intervene, yeah. like I said, this is very recent. It's all happening yeah. in front of our eyes. Um, a couple hours ago, the state said that they're locked and loaded to strike Syria again if there's another chemical attack. What's really interesting is that yesterday, uh, Defense Secretary Mattis said that uh, right now this is a one-time shot, and I believe that it has sent a very strong message to dissuade him, Assad, to deter him from doing it again. Uh, wow. So I guess we're getting kind of contradictory messages from the White House, which is nothing new with right, this administration. Right. So question to both of you. What are your thoughts on U.S. military intervention? Is this a new thing? Obviously not. But is it justified this time? Do you think the states have learned from their past lessons of failed intervention? Obviously not. What I think is at play here is this philosophical idea of Samuel Huntington and the Clash of Nations, Clash of Civilizations, which is the idea that after the Cold War ended, the new biggest political divide is between Western liberal democracy and Islamic civilization. And that's a perspective that a lot of people hold. But obviously, I think there's a, a lot of flaws with it. And I think it justifies intervention that has only had horrible results. But at the same time, I, I used to attribute malevolence to U.S. intervention a lot. I think now it's more incompetence. If you look at what happened in Afghanistan due to military intervention, a lot of it is just there's, there's so much going on there it's it's almost impossible to build a functioning state out of that so if we're going to have military intervention in in syria it would have to be to establish a state because if you if you destroy the anti-terrorist forces and then but you don't get rid of the underlying conditions that created those terrorists in the first place there you you didn't really accomplish anything but how many try, times has the states tried that and failed yeah, yeah right. a lot of times. I'm, I'm not sure how it can my, succeed. My opinion on this is that the ball has, the U.S. has dropped the ball, I think it was Obama mainly, because it was during his time. I'm not, I'm not going to criticize him personally, but I think it, it was during his administration where if there was going to be action taken against the Assad regime, it would have to be done then. At this point, I don't think there's any like force in Syria that could take power after the Assad regime falls. No. In my opinion, there's, there's the Syrian democratic forces in the north. The problem is that they represent Kurdish interests, which aren't the sole interests. They're, they're not the only interests of the country. Yeah. And I, I think they own, I think they exist in Kurdish interest and northern interests in the nation. But I don't think that they are, and obviously they have a better track record than most factions in the country yeah. in terms of human rights abuses. All of that, but I don't think that they could take power in Syria, and I don't think at this point any force could take power. I no. mean, maybe after, maybe after, maybe right after the Arab Spring, when the Free Syrian Army what were backed by Islamists, how many people have died in Syria? Four hundred fifty thousand. That's the figure. Don't quote me on that. That's yeah. the figure. If you guys want to correct me on that? That's how much. But at this point, the bloodshed, and we have to we have to think of the Syrian people here, right? Because we have we have to think about what they're going through and also what is best for them. We don't want we don't want more innocents to die. Pretty what, much. We, the best thing to happen for the country, I think, undeniably, is for them to get better economics, to develop economically. I think we we all everyone in this room would want democracy in Syria, civil yeah. rights in Syria in yeah. Syria. And personally, I I want Assad out. I think Assad is a very bad 
he's 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 a horrible dictator who's done horrible things to a lot of people in prisons. Yeah. Very bad on human and civil rights. But at this point, you sort of have to look at what is it going to take for the U.S. and the Western powers to now now that Russia's involved because they weren't as involved as they were before. Now they have their forces here and all of that. You have to look at what it's going to take to take Assad out and establish a new state. And establish a new state, which yeah. at this point, the American, the, all, not, not only that, the American possible. public isn't going to support a long war, or they're not going to support what it takes to build a functioning state in Syria. That That is true. That's true. And that's because it takes a long time. Yeah. Uh, it, it takes a long time. It's very expensive. It's a huge military and monetary commitment. Yeah. And it's not guaranteed to work, as we've seen in America's attempts in other Middle Eastern countries. And one of the big problems is you need you need investment in the country yeah. to develop it economically. Yeah, 100%. And the Middle East is the last place people want to invest because it's so fractionalized. There's no state to protect private interests. There's no infrastructure. So it, it, it's really a double-edged sword there. And also, a lot of the, the terrorist forces are anti-globalization, if we take globalization to mean opening barriers and trade and all that stuff, a lot of them are really anti-globalization in the sense that they see globalization as Americanization and an infringement upon yeah. you know, Muslim values or Islamic values. So I'm not sure how productive a US intervention could be there. Even if they have, even if we tribute benevolent interests to yeah. the US, which, which even I don't at think that point, we can, but e- even if we have benevolent U.S. interest in propping up Syria, it, it, it's almost impossible to do. And one of the re- reasons is there's so many factions. One of the good ways to perhaps resolve the solution would be to unite everyone through rising economic standards of living. But the problem is it's almost impossible to do that uniformly throughout the country. When there's and, no political stability. Exactly. And also, if we know that there's different groups in the north and the mm-hmm. south, right, if the north develops economically faster, that's only going to exacerbate these mm-hmm. social tensions. I don't see how military intervention could result in anything productive. I, I think we see this in a lot of former colonized nations nowadays, that the European powers who went and took it. So Syria, after the Ottoman Empire fell, Syria was given as a mandate under the League of Nations to, I think it was France, but France and the UK or in Britain were all in that all in that region. But when they left, or when they went in, they just they drew up arbitrary borders that really had no didn't take into account any. They of didn't the really take into social. account into the social impacts. Yeah. And you see this you see this happen in Rwanda. What happened with the Tutsis and the Hutus when there was a genocide? That's when the Belgians they were there beforehand. They had left the region in a state where politics devolved into ethnic groups coming into con- conflict with each other. I think we sort of see this nowadays with, with Sunnis and Shiites in all the Middle East. I, from a U.S. and a Western point of view, it's very easy to just strike a couple of bases in Syria and say we're done. But to actually get Assad out of power takes more than just airstrikes. It takes boots on the ground. And it might be counterproductive to actually yeah, do that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And also, we have to keep in mind, it would kill a lot of innocent. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of. I mean, we can as, talk about as how happens in yeah, military intervention. I, 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 I've, I've, I think that the U.S. government, from my knowledge, is better at preventing innocent civilians in their airstrikes than a lot of other places. Like a lot of a lot of other powers, as in 
they have a lot of precision with their with with their missiles and stuff compared to other nations. Yeah, but I think no matter what would happen if you went to war in Syria, you're gonna kill thousands of innocent people. I don't know if it's worth it at this point. It, if something was gonna happen, it had to have been done under Obama when when the first protests and the first battles were taking place in Syria. Yeah, yeah. And that's my opinion. Because there's just no structure for something else. For another, There's no state structure. There's no state structure for another power to take over democratically. And, and it's, too, it's too divided. It's too divided to have a, a, a yeah. state. Because yeah. if you have, if we get, a, let's say, a state in there, it's still going to be opposed by all of these other factions for the same reasons. Yeah, right? exactly. Because it's conflicting interests. I don't know. I like to speculate about the what are what are the underlying motivations? Is it primarily economic? Is it primarily religious? Cuz if these issues really are fundamentally religious, then that it's a lot harder to fight religious sex than it is sex based on e- economics. Yeah. Right? yeah. At this point, what is your ideal for what Syria ends up? Because I have a, I have an ideal, which is, for me, personally, I think the best course of action that could happen right now is Syria stays together, obviously under Assad, which sucks because Assad is a dictator who has a very bad track record with human rights abuses, but just for stability's sake in Syria, they've been through enough. So keep Syria like as it is, but have also have an autonomous region in the north where the Kurds are. Uh, really? In Syria. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because the, the problem I'm seeing right now is that in the north, the Syrian Democratic Forces, which is the Kurdish force pretty much, they have, they're backed by the U.S. right now when they have a large swath of territory in the north, and they're not going to give it up. <laughs> they're not going to give it up. Doesn't the U.S. have interests with Turkey? Like and, Turkey isn't. And Turkey's opposed to the Kurds. Turkey's opposed to the Kurds. So there's a conflict of interest. So we're, we don't know whether the U.S. is going to turn its tail and leave and yeah. leave the yeah. Kurds to their own And then devices. there's also all of this Russian rhetoric, which we, we're not sure if they're going to yeah. act upon that yeah. yet. But, but I, it sounds pretty angry. I, I, I think that based on what I've seen, like the Kurds have been, obviously they have been upset with both Turkey and Syria. And pretty much they haven't been represented at all in any country. Well, do you, do you think that maybe Assad's such a bad leader, not because he's an evil person, but maybe because his his sovereignty of his land, right, is being Im- impeded. Do you think that kind of perpetuates? It's a good question. Being... But I I think this was going on. This was has been going on to the best of my knowledge before before this conflict even started. So when the protests were first happening, this is what galvanized a lot of support for the opposition in Syria. There was a 13 year old boy who was protesting uh, for democracy. I think he wrote something on a wall, and he was apprehended by the government security for or the government forces the syrian government forces and he was tortured castrated um killed and pretty much had had his body desecrated he was 13 years old this is by government forces which are backed by assad they've done horrible things in their prisons the prisons that they have there there have been un reports of tens of thousands of people being killed and them tortured you know, all the life, right? My personal opinion is that Assad is just, he needs to go. But <laughs> the problem is, he needs right? to stay at the same time, yeah. Yeah, Connor? there's almost no better alternative. Uh, I I don't know enough to speculate on all 
on Assad's motives. Uh, I'm not sure really why he's doing what he's doing. I'm sure a lot of it is just self-preservation. Yeah, uh, of course. You know, like most dictators are paranoid about losing power, so they act to maintain it. And Assad still has support, right? Oh, a lot Assad of support. still yeah. has a lot of support. So and getting rid support. of him means just creating more opposition in the sense that the Assad supporters now become the opposition to whoever you yeah. replace exactly. Assad with. Could it be maybe... So Assad was elected with the biggest sarcasm. If, if you look at the, the <laughs> most sarcasm in the word "elected," there, uh, he got eighty-eight point seven percent of the vote, over ten million votes, which I find See, insane to be. My figures say ninety-nine. My figures say ninety. Sorry, my figures say ninety-nine point something percent. <laughs> but what's, but, what's Syria's population? Uh, eighteen million and ten million people voted. Yeah. Yes, that's in, dog in, shit. In, that's dog shit. That's a great conflict, voter turnout in conflict for uh, a country such as Syria. Yeah. No, uh, that see that makes it seem like it's uh, like it's not a real election. But that being said, Russia has the exact same problem. Yeah. Yet no intervention happens against Russia. Well, Assad okay. in two thousand was elected with ninety nine point seven support for his leadership. Wow. Which great number. What That's a great impressive. figure. That's well, very impressive. No, no, no. I did read that when he was first elected. It was BBC. This is his third term. This is his third term, right? So when he was first elected, he did have a lot of support. His father was a very popular figure in Syria, right? Yeah. I think his father was also president. And he was, you know, a military doctor, trained in the UK, knew English very well, and he seemed like the man to move Syria forward. Mm. But then, you know, he became a dictator later, and I think that's what his same thing happened with Chavez in Venezuela. Right. And a lot of people liked him at first and then he just started getting Oh, I'm going to, you know, change my term limit and how long I rule for. Exactly. And right, right. This is the problem the with courts. dictators, right? Yeah. Um, we, we always take, it sounds corny because we always hear about it growing up in school, but democratic freedoms, all of that, the like, you know, being able to speak out against who's in power. <laughs> you don't, you don't have that. In, Do you think those are, those should be spread around the world though? Do you think that the that's, states that's are That's what I wanted that? to talk about. I yeah. wanted to talk to you about the benevolence. <laughs> of the US, the so-called benevolence. I'm very, very skeptical of the US anytime they intervene militarily. Uh, a lot of that results from they're just super comfortable with regimes that violate uh, human rights. I mean, if you have a good history of Latin America, it's a lot of the School of the Americas produced a bunch of dictators, right? They supported Pinochet and uh, they overthrew Arbenz in Guatemala and it established, uh, I forget his name, was it Armas? I think some guy named Armas who went on to massacre 10% of the population over the course of his reign, which is absolutely, of course that was during the Cold War, um, but it, it, it's not like the U.S. has necessarily gone I think it's a little bit different now, that. as in the U.S. had an interest, even if they were dictators, to oppose any either democratically elected or pretty much dictator force in any countries if they get were even a little bit sympathetic to the Soviet Union. And you saw that happen everywhere. I think, Not even I think sympathetic little... to the Soviet Union, just sympathetic to the left. No, that's true. Yeah. 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 And Fidel Castro and the like. I think it's a little bit different now. Yeah, but so we're all past gone. that. Are we, are we not past that? Yeah, yet? no, we, that's, that's what I wanted, the point I wanted. So to we're make. past that, yet the states are still doing the exact same thing. And it seems like they haven't learned anything from their lessons, right? And they're still saying, oh, we're spreading, the, well, we're spreading democratic values across everywhere. There was the Rwandan genocide. That, right. It was that Clinton. Clinton was in power. He didn't do anything about that. Right. Uh, but that was also UN 
He went to do anything about that either. Yeah. No one did anything. Well, it actually that. took a U.S.-backed RPF force, which is a Tutsi force. It was backed by the U.S., who actually came in and took over power. Paul, Paul Kagame, he's still in power. He was the RPF general at the time, which was backed by the U.S., to pretty much overthrow the Hutu powers that were committing the genocide in Rwanda, the RGF. So they sort of they sort of helped with that a little bit down the line, but not when it mattered. I was about to say, too little, too late. Yeah, obviously. So what, what makes this any different? What makes this any different? Yeah, yeah, I was about to ask you, what makes this better than what the U.S. has done in the past? I think the U.S. should, not should, but they can be def- defended when supporting forces that are pro-democratic in other countries, if there wide, if there is wide, wide, widespread support. So how is how is Assad pro-democracy? At the start is when they dropped the ball on when they didn't support the forces that needed to be supported, and as it got infiltrated with Islamists, the Free Syrian Army, the stick to lean on there sort of diminished. But I think that if there's widespread support to get a dictator out of power, I think it can be defended at sometimes. That's what I think. I don't think if there's widespread support to get a dictator out of power. Yes. And there's, the U.S. There supports are, the democratic opposition. Yes. And what's, if there are... What, if what there are some are, examples of this utopian and what's, idea? And what's the proof that he's... Unlike, I understand he's launching chemical attacks against his, uh, oh, his so people. Yeah. But, you know, the official statistics he's going to cite is, look, I have 87% support. <laughs> like whether you believe it or not those are the official election it's, results it's, it's tough to say it's tough to say but um a, a good a good example and i don't know if there was u.s there was u.s backing in this but a good example of a country where they successfully went from from a dictator to democracy was tunisia and this was in the this was in the arab spring they went from a dictator to having democracy in the country that's one area and i don't know <laughs> I'm not an expert. I don't know the lengths of the U.S. involvement in that area, but that's one that I mean, not without its without its road bumps and potholes, but one that well, even kind I, of I don't know uh, enough about Tunisia. Uh, I couldn't even point to Tunisia on a map, <laughs> so that tells you <laughs> how much I know about yeah. it. But uh, I'm sure that for every one case of so-called benevolent intervention, there's a case like the uh, the Al Shifa pharmaceutical factory in Sudan which was in retaliation to an embassy bombing. But what I happened was they, they bombed this pharmaceutical factory, and I think it was 98. It was the U.S.? Yeah, it was okay. the U.S. Um, it was, the U.S. said it was a chemical weapons plant. Yep. But it was just a, it was a pharmaceutical factory, and it was the main pharmaceutical factory in the Sudan. And when it was destroyed, it resulted in the deaths of thousands and thousands of people. In the US, yeah, and the U.S. knew that would happen. Right, but it was in retaliation to an embassy bombing, and stuff like that happens all the time, right? So the U.S. is not, and especially you need to look at, are there conflicts of interest? Obviously, obviously there are tons of conflicts of interest. Intervening in Syria specifically, there's proxy warring against Russia, so there's political, you know, maneuvering in that sense. So I want to switch this up a bit. Um, we are in Canada. We're studying, you know, a lot of our politics that we're studying is Canadian politics. Canada was incredibly silent on this issue, right? Justin true. Trudeau. That's Justin true. Trudeau. So Canada is supposedly this uh, this powerhouse of freedom and rights. 
Uh, you know, Are we? across the globe, you know, Canada's true north strong and free, right? Mm. Um, and yet, we stayed very quiet. Justin Trudeau said that he will not be joining in the military action with France. And he did support it, though. Britain. He supported it, Obviously. and he condemned the attacks. But we were just saying that Putin's words weren't any, you know, they weren't harsh. Russia's words weren't harsh because they were just words. Is Canada really contributing anything to the global effort? Uh, are they or ought they to? Well, well both, right? Well, some things that Canada has done is accept a lot of refugees from Syria. Right, so we have about 50,000 refugees. Yeah. Um, and we, we do, still. we have done ground forces and airstrikes, mm-hmm. but it's been against ISIS mm-hmm. and it's been in trying to develop it. was called mm-hmm. Operation Impact. It was launched by Harper yeah. and it was renewed by Harper and then Trudeau kind of stopped it and then rebuilt it again in 2016. But we've never been, I, I understand we're not really a military powerhouse by any means, but when we preach that, you know, everyone should have a democracy, everyone should have rights, should we not do more to help, especially if we're fighting on the side of the states, Britain and France? There's not a good infrastructure for democracy in Syria. So why are the states, France and, and uh, the UK trying to? instill some kind well, of de- in, democratic values in my opinion they're they're not it's all political maneuvering they they aren't necessarily interested in establishing a, a well-developed democratic society in syria right they haven't been able to thus far how long has the war in afghanistan been going on it has to be like 15 16 yeah. 17 years or something how how's that worked well, not yeah. too well. Not, not too, well. too well. Right. So, but well, why, it, why it, is... it it doesn't it doesn't go well once our forces pretty much withdraw uh, from the region. I'm not saying Canada no. takes a lead role, but should we not do more than like a statement? Like, is is that not enough? Especially with our closest allies, the well, states. We've I, had I lots of relationships in the past. You know, in the recent past with Justin Trudeau and Trump, and you know, tariffs. Should we not? You know, maybe step up and say, hey. Hey, United States, we got you. We got your back. We're gonna support you. What I would like, what I would not like to see, definitely, is sanctions on Syria, um, on our part, because that you mentioned sanctions hurt the the poorest. And I, the in my opinion, sanctions hurt the poorest of society. Elaborate. Right? Sanctions destroy their ability to acquire goods cheaply, so prices skyrocket because. Yeah, we we see, we see this and happen in in Venice it happens a lot where if you sanction a country it. All it does is it starves people at the bottom. Yeah. People in power aren't necessarily going to feel it. They're because they have some blocks. They have, they have it's happening in Cuba. Cuba can barely get access to medicine right now because of the sanctions. So there is a leg to stand on to say that sanctions aren't a good idea. Although, but we have to action, do more. Yeah, some we action to do more. Some action does. The question is what? What is it? Question is what is it? Foreign aid. Foreign aid? Yeah, just send money and resources to... But there is an argument to me that all that does is help the Assad regime. Although, if, if, if we are preaching about the people, which is what should be preached about is what, what's best for the people on the ground. The people caught in the middle of yeah. this. Yeah, foreign aid. But in a lot of cases, foreign powers aren't willing to take, uh, to take humanitarian aid from other countries. So it happened in Venezuela, where Venezuela is not willing... To, t- to accept foreign aid and humanitarian aid from other Western countries because yeah. I think it's going to be a Trojan horse. The strident anti-Americanism there. So I, I highly doubt that they would even accept. <laughs> well, part of no. Operation Impact um, was Canada set up a hospital, yeah. right, to help the states. The states were leading the mission, 
but Canada set up a hospital to treat troops and civilians, right? Is that, it, should we not be doing something else? I mean, chemical weapons were just launched on civilians yeah. by a dictator. Yeah. And there's been a strong response by the most powerful Western nations in the world. And Canada, who wants a seat on the Security Council, who wants to be known as a bigger player in the global with our environment. And so what, what would you suggest Canada do? Well, they have to do something. Something more than what they're doing. Like, if, if it's setting up a hospital to help civilians, or, you know, contributing more to... I don't want to say contributing more, so Justin Trudeau doesn't get ideas to increase taxes or anything, but, <laughs> but they have to be doing something beyond sending out a tweet. Every party leader sent there out a is, tweet. There it is. Every party member sent out a tweet saying that they condemned the attacks. Like, great, we knew that. We knew that. What are you going to do about it? I say hands off Syria. Hands off Syria? Yeah. Matt? I would, I would agree with you that something in the, in the idea of humanitarian aid or helping out the U.S.-backed airstrikes, if there is any further military action, helping them in a non-military way. So, concluding thoughts on Syria... And U.S. intervention over time. And what should be done? What should not be done? Uh, policy prescriptions. Keep your hands off Syria. Classic Connor. Just do nothing. Yeah. Do, do nothing. nothing. It'll end up good somehow. Human let the Russians benevolent. Let the, let the Russians take over and you know what? Everything will be hunky-dory. Exactly. I already, t- I already talked about my goals. Or my... my not my goals, but... That's <laughs> <my, laughs> foreign policy goals. My foreign, but uh, my... From my perspective, what an ideal for, I think, the Syrian people and then the region in general for all the interests are would be for Syria, which is a Syria which is led by Assad, unfortunately, but that has an autonomous region in Syria, like a, almost like a federal like a province in Syria that is given more autonomy, which is represented by the Kurds. I think... Yeah. Do you think this will escalate to uh, World War Three, or can you... Uh, no. No, it's I'm not... I'm going to say no. Russia is not... Um, as much as their statement happened, I don't. I think they might. They might do something in retaliation. I mean, it'll be up to Trump to decide what Russia's always that been is. about seeming strong and using big words. I don't. Th- I think. I think we called. I think the U.S. called their bluff in what they're actually willing to do in Syria and in the Middle East. I don't think they're willing to go to war to lose anything too valuable. Over the Assad regime. Right, and of no. course it will be a proxy war in Syria, yeah. as it's been for, you know, the past, yeah. what, L- five years? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd like to just say, I think, speak for all of us, saying we all want the best, and we all have different ideas, we all want the best for the people in Syria, and we hope throughout the next coming years that war will end in Syria, and something, a better situation will happen, uh, we'll we'll take <laughs> a better situation will take place in Syria and that they can rebuild. Right, right. Thanks for yeah. that statement, Trudeau. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Fuck <all> right. <laughs> you. Um, so that concludes the first episode. What a bold opinion from Matt Tucky. <laughs> wow. We want to like, see the best for Syria. Um, gosh. Anyway, that's the first episode on Syria. We might revisit this topic in the future. Who knows? Maybe by tomorrow everything will change. Um, but for now, thank you for listening. If anyone's listening, thank you for listening. And if anyone's listening, <laughs> thank you and so much. We'll see you in the future. All right, my name is Dominic Broski. Hey, right. I'm Matt, and I'm Matt, and I'm Matt. Thanks.